You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit zennovascotia.com. Earlier this year, we spent some time with a text by Dogen called Buddha Nature. I think we talked about it for three nights. And then you probably thought we were done. But we had only started. We just took a break. Tonight, I want to jump back in on a section that's about time. And it begins, the Buddha said, if you wish to know the meaning of the Buddha nature, you should observe the conditions of the time. If the time arrives, the Buddha nature appears. There's a lot to be said about time in relationship to Dogen. It was one of his favorite topics. Um, and I haven't really gone into that in depth because it's so big and I've been saving up. And tonight we'll just kind of touch on it. but but know that there's a lot more in the background. He writes, this is his commentary on that statement. This, if you wish to know the meaning of the Buddha nature, is not just about knowing. It means also, if you wish to practice it, if you wish to verify it, if you wish to preach it, and if you wish to forget it, that preaching practicing, verifying, forgetting, mistaking, and not mistaking are, all of them, the conditions of the time. This phrase, the conditions of the time, it speaks to the, um, that's one way to translate it, but it's, it's speaking to the, the actual situation, the circumstances of, of this, this event, this particular event. And this particular event is always now. So he says, to know something also means to practice something. It means to verify it, to preach it. That's very interesting. It also means to forget it. And we can see in more practical examples that this is, these are all true. A phrase that gets used a lot in, in the monastery is to know with the body. Right? I heard this all the time. They say, well, you can, you can leave. You can leave once you know this practice with your body. Not with your head. Not so that you can repeat it. Not so that you can explain it but so that it's part of your, your sense of reflex. That's what it is to know it. That's what it is to practice it. That's what it is to verify it, right? That, in this tradition, is what it is to preach it, to express it. You give it voice by showing it with your body. And then, to practice it on that level 
means you have to forget it. It can't be self-conscious anymore. You just do it. In the same way that if you play piano, there are things that you have to forget in order to move to the next stage. You can't always be thinking about the first thing you learned. At some point, that has to be a reflex. At some point, you have to just get that so that you can move, to move on. So, if you wish to know the meaning of the Buddha nature, you should observe the conditions of this moment. In observing the conditions of time, one observes using the conditions of the time. One mutually observes using the whisk, the staff, and so on. These, he uses these all the time. These are the teaching implements, right? When you teach the, when you preach the Dharma, you have these things that you hold in your hand. They look sometimes cool, sometimes kind of silly. Uh, they cannot be observed using, in addition, the wisdoms of contaminated wisdom, uncontaminated wisdom, original awakening, initial awakening, non-awakening, right awakening, and the like. All of these, they're all in quotation marks, contaminated wisdom, uncontaminated wisdom, original awakening, no, 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 no. These are all notions of what enlightenment is. These are all um, philosophical stances of the time. And he's saying, if you want to understand Buddha nature, it's not about any of them. And then he keeps going. The meaning of should observe has nothing to do with the observer or what is observed. It should not be gauged by such notions as right observation or false observation. It is should observe. Because it is should observe, it is not one's own observing. It is not another's observing. It is the very conditions of the time themselves. It transcends conditions. It is the very Buddha nature itself. It is the Buddha nature with body cast off. It is each Buddha, him or herself. It is each nature itself. This is his new way, because he keeps trying to say the same thing over and over and over again, that enlightenment takes no perspective. We're being told to observe the present, but he's saying, don't do it from where you are. <laughs> Don't imagine that observing the present means that you sit here and that you look at the moment as, the, as something that is in front of you, as something that is on display. You're not in a seat watching a stage where reality is playing itself out. You're not an audience member. Nor is it that that guy over there has better seats than you. And so you should imagine what he's seeing. It's not about a lens. It's not about a vantage point. 
He says, look at it. But not with these eyes. A bunch in the past and present have frequently thought the words, if the time arrives, means that one awaits a time later when the Buddha nature might appear. Continuing to practice in this way, they say, one encounters the time when the Buddha nature appears naturally. If the time does not arrive, even though one visits a teacher and asks about the Dharma, even though one makes concentrated effort to pursue the way, it will not appear. So in other words, we sometimes imagine that Buddha nature or the truth or enlightenment or whatever we want to call this is a matter of, of blossoming, right? And that we wait for the season. We, we think spring is coming and it's going to rain, Dharma rain, and something will come up out of that because it's, it'll be time. And Dogen's saying, stop thinking that. Stop imagining that there is anything in your life that is around the corner from where you are. Stop thinking about fruition. Time doesn't work that way. What time does is time goes by. <laughs> but it doesn't deliver something. As we get older, our sense of time changes, I think, radically. So that for my children, things that happened in December feel like they happened a long time ago. Whereas for me, that feels like last weekend. Time is speeding up. There are things that I think are important, letters that I want to write to people I care about that have been on my to-do list for months. And in some cases, it, it goes into years. And I always think, oh, I'll do it. And I look up, and my handwriting has changed since the time I wrote that down. It goes by so quickly. But there is nothing about time that makes the pieces all just come together. I can't make that list of things that I need to do and imagine that somehow my life is going to blossom in a month or two months or three months and that the causes and conditions will finally be right for me to do that thing. And I certainly can't count on the idea that in two months or three months or three years or ten years that I will finally see the thing that I need to see. That is a fool's dream. The present in ten years will be just like this one. Absolutely complete. The only question is, 
whether to you it will still feel small. Whether to us it will still feel as if something is coming. So Dogen says, people think this way. They think something is around the bend. And then he says, because he's almost never nice to anybody, he says, taking such a view, they return in vain to the red dust. The red dust refers to the kind of the, the, uh, the mundane world. They return in vain to the red dust. They stare vacantly at the Milky Way. They look up and they watch the constellations move. They, they take up almost a stance of geologic time and they wait. Types like this are doubtless followers of an alien path. What is called, if you wish to know the meaning of the Buddha nature, is saying, for example, you should know the meaning of the Buddha nature. To say that you should observe the conditions of the time is to say that you should know the conditions of the time. Again, that observing is not looking. It's, it's, it's grasping. Not, not like this, but in your bones. To say, if the time arrives, means the time has already arrived. Let doubting the time be as it may. Give me back the Buddha nature. I love this. There are a lot of these little, little, uh, little moments in, in Zen teachings and Zen stories. People say, give me back the Buddha. Right? Give me back your mind. And, and if you're stumped, <laughs> if someone says, give me back Buddha nature, and you're not sure what to do, that's good. <laughs> It doesn't work. We should realize that if the time arrives is not passing time in vain. If it arrives is like saying it has arrived. If we really meant if the time arrives, then Buddha nature would not arrive. But the time has arrived. And it's now, and it is already the appearance of Buddha nature. There has never been a time when the time does not arrive. Nor has there ever been a Buddha nature that does not appear. This is, I think, one of the most difficult aspects of this practice and one of the most exciting 
is this insistence. This insistence that you're already here. You've arrived. Right? This is so hard for us to believe. I think when I was younger, I had this almost sense of this panic about my life. I could see time passing by in terms of calendar years, and I thought, ah, you know, if I don't, if I don't start a career by this age, I will have missed it. Or if I don't go to graduate school by this age, then I, I can't go at all. And, and I start seeing that, that my friends are, are getting married or they're buying houses, and it can seem as if time is the measurement that I have to kind of get on that train. No one, when I was 21 or 22 or 23 years old, could have convinced me that nothing was missing from my life. Which is why I don't shout too loud when I say it. Because I know. <laughs> But this practice invites us to consider the possibility that nothing else is coming. And we can take this in a kind of full, yay kind of way. But we can also take with it a real sense of responsibility we can open up our toolbox and look at it, and whatever tools are there, that's what we've got. So don't wait until next year or 10 years from now to start building whatever it is. If, that's what, if you have a hammer, you better start using it. When I was a kid, we would take road trips, and I, would, I got to sit in the front seat all the time because I would get sick. <laughs> it was great. I, I, it was my, my poor mother would have to sit in the back of the car. And I would get bored, and I would check the glove compartment to see if there was something fun in the glove compartment. And honestly, I have no memory of ever finding anything fun in the glove compartment. But we would drive to Texas from Montana, three, four days of just solid driving. So I checked the glove compartment. Nothing. 30 minutes later, I check it. Right? It's like people who compulsively check the fridge. It, it, it's this wondrous ability of a child's mind to imagine that even though you've been guarding the glove compartment yourself, that something might have arrived. There might be something new. And we carry this ability into adulthood. And, and maybe we learn not to compulsively open up the glove compartment. But we keep checking to see if there's more. Is there more now? Or maybe I'll wait. Maybe if I can just wait a little longer, 
I'll open up and I'll find something, something that wasn't there. It's all there. It's the biggest glove compartment in the world. I don't know, in the interest of full disclosure, I don't actually know the steps mm -hmm. to offer between not knowing and knowing. It's not enough simply to believe it. And if I tell you, if I promise you that if you do enough zazen that you'll see it, I think that's irresponsible. Maybe. But this is what's on offer. And it's no small thing. And I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.